Welcome to Book of Engin. My name is Engin Yeshiliemish, and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for the attention you have shown to the previous episode. It was uh, wonderful to see that many people were interested in uh, that last episode called uh, My Circumcision Party. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do subscribe and uh, more of these thoughts and pieces of the, my life and comparing it to what I'm seeing today and what might happen tomorrow will be all revealed here. It, I uh, was fortunate that to had work last week. My company was out there. Uh, we it was a it was a renovation of a of a senior citizen home. My crew and I went there and uh, we gave it a nice facelift before the new tenants moved in. Uh, it was funny to work in a senior citizen neighborhood because as they see work take place in one of the neighboring homes, other neighbors come by, came by to see what happened to the previous tenant and who's coming next. And uh, luckily, we had a good story. The good story was the tenant that was there decided to move in with his with her daughter, and then her daughter's best friend's mom needed a place from Grass Valley, so she now is going to occupy that very space. So we went in there and did a good, you know. Nice cleanup paint job everywhere and, you know, refresh the cabinets and change the handles. So that kept us uh, motivated and healthy. Another good thing was I continued to uh, keep my promise because uh, as an immigrant, before you enter United States, they make you swear an oath. And uh, they use various books of your belief and you put your hand on it and raise your right hand and say... Uh, you know, I swear that I will never become a liability uh, on government resources, state resources. And uh, I'm ever so grateful that we, I still am maintaining and looking after my family and did not apply for any uh, unemployment or not even small business loan. Just getting on with it and hopefully there's light at the end of this tunnel and we're gonna be just fine. Uh, speaking of speaking of uh, you know welfare and people uh, benefiting from you know unemployment and such, don't think that I'm down on this. Not at all. Those safety nets exist so you can maintain your lifestyle and you can stay in 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 the race one way or the other you can make these choices and but i also know people who abuse the system as well uh the other day i was talking about california and uh weed consumption i wasn't a i mean i did smoke i've been smoking i'm a late smoker but per se like i i know people who will uh remind me of the days when I would walk around saying dope is stupid but uh, I was introduced to weed you know my college years 
and uh, but I wasn't a frequent s smoker because I was an athlete and uh, I cherished my lungs. I didn't want to put any smoke in it and such. And also, I had this, you know, like whatever your parents teach you, weed is a gateway drug to the next thing. Of course, uh, my dad's deep, meaningful speech about not sending me to the States as an exchange student. Number one reason was he was afraid that I would become a drug addict. Well, here I am, uh, what is this, 16 years in the United States now, and uh, I worked in various fields, and uh, I went through the whole green card process, and the citizenship, and the voting, and whatnot. I have yet become a become a drug addict. And uh, another benefit about living in the States, my alcohol consumption reduced dramatically because in this country you have to drive everywhere. And when you are a uh, green card holder, you're trying to keep your nose as clean as possible because any mistake you make uh, gets punished a lot more severely than say if you were a normal citizen and had a misdemeanor. The green card holder gets treated completely uh, different and it is possible that, you know, you can lose your privileges to be in this country. So having, the, you know, living with that kind of paranoia, the first, I say, the six, seven years of my uh, residence in the United States also conditioned me to steer away from these things. And then I moved to California. Once I moved here, what I noticed was, and I moved here right during uh, the recession, 2008, late 2008. And uh, for me, it was an upgrade because I had just switched jobs from one bicycle company to another bicycle company. And this other bicycle company offered basically doubled my salary in just one sitting plus there were the bonuses and whatnot to come and uh, me being an eager beaver I just went for it and then crushed it and those years allowed me to buy my house here in Santa Rosa and um, you know made all this thing possible that I could provide for my family right now the uh, but since I moved to uh, California, I have also met many people uh, my age or around my age, so my generation of folk, not doing much, not doing much and complaining plenty. Complaining plenty and was, as they're complaining about things, I'm just mostly money. Mostly how come somebody has more than they have and how could they get more of what the other ones have? And why is it not being given to them? All I can think of was, there's no free trip to Hawaii. I don't know. I don't know a free trip to Hawaii. Now I can hear some girls going like, hey, this guy bought me a trip to Hawaii. How free was that trip? How free was that trip? There was no expectations attached to that trip? That's what I'm saying. There's always an, like if somebody's giving you something, 
some sort of expectations comes with it. This is this is the way life is. This is not my pessimistic look at things. It's just how it is. There's no free trip to Hawaii unless you win the lottery. Then Uncle Sam will come and say, well, you won the lottery. We need this much of it. So it never ends. It never ends. But the, these very people, and I've known them forever. I've known them now 2008 to... to 2018 like well over 10 years I've known these people and their condition have not changed they're still complaining they're still bitching and complaining about things they're still um, expecting someone to come and save them now these very people I also watch them on social media and when the lockdown or stay-home uh, guidance were put in place we were sent the $1,200. Thank you, America, and God bless America. And, of course, you have the same friends. They bitched and complained about how they have not received that money yet. The very people who have complained about how they have not received that money yet, how hard things are, how much they should deserve, also, on the same day, post a picture of their takeout. Listen, if you don't have money, please don't order takeout. If you're relying on government assistance, please don't go buy sophisticated hipster brew beer because your math will never check out. If you go do some, you know, bulk shopping, cook at home, your money will go much further. But you choose to spend six bucks on a pint of beer. That's your doing. And you get what you deserve. Just like I get what I deserve. I was talking to my uh, girlfriend the other day and it was a bad example. Uh, it, I was telling her about a bad example in my life and I finished that story saying I deserve everything I got in this life what I was referring to is whatever I received that was bad in my life was also my doing I'm responsible for it everything like divorces jobs friendships, transactions that didn't work out. I have a responsibility in all that. It's not somebody's fault, this and that, but I have my part in all of them. She was trying to sue me. She's being the loving girlfriend and she's like, but look what you have. I'm like, exactly. I deserve everything I get. If it's bad, I deserve it. If it's good, I deserve it as well. I earned them. I earned my mistakes as well. So someone who is complaining about the government, complaining about the government aid not showing up on time in a time of crisis, posting their takeout, it doesn't match. It doesn't work out. Just really look at yourself. Look at how many other math problems that are not checking out in your life. 
I mean, is it my place to tell you that you're doing it wrong? Somebody has to. It feels like not enough people are telling the other ones that they are doing something wrong. We live in an environment where it's just all we want is praise. All we want is attention, uh, was attendance trophies. And we've talked, we've, I've talked about this before. We don't know how to talk to one another. Let's talk about like some of our entitlements. We're all talking about freedom of speech. We can say whatever we want. That's the perception of freedom of speech. I think freedom of speech has a lot to do with listening. And freedom of speech has a lot to do with how much room are you giving to the other side for them to describe you their reason to their madness. So you can get an understanding of where this person is coming from. So their listening is fundamental to a freedom of speech. Here's one thing about comedians. On, on and on off stage, we have many disagreements. The beauty of the community, the, the, the circle of comedians, you can sit down and talk about anything with a comedian. There are no rules, there are no borders. Everything can be assessed and picked apart. Because that is the sport. That is the, that is the mission of like how many different ways to look at something. And when most of the comedians, I'm not going to say all comedians, but most of the comedians had that approach. Possibilities. You know, you have one way of looking at something, but someone can say it so well and so precisely, perhaps, and it, will, it, it won't change your mind, but you will also allow the possibility to come in. And that will change your worldview. Things will look a little softer. Then we get on stage and we defend our point to the max and uh, either people love you for it or hate you for it. What are you going to do? You can't make everybody happy. Here's one thing about freedom of speech. Um, we... um. We both are capable of being assholes. You can be an asshole. I can be an asshole. Even the nicest person you know can be an asshole. It's possible. Can you sit at the table without being an asshole? And get your point across. Because every freedom of speech debate, every disagreement is essentially a learning opportunity. Think about that. But you got to listen first. Listen. Most of you are not going to listen to this till the end. And this is like a 25-minute number that I'm going to talk about and look at my notes maybe and tell you a thing or two. Um... Listening, listening is, uh, it's something really to think about. First time I start, started paying, and 
some our expectations determine our listening as well. For example, if you look at me, English is my third language. I uh, I have to think before I compose a thought, especially if, it, if especially if it's unfamiliar territory. If it's if it's in if it's something that I haven't engaged before, I have to line up my vocabulary to get my position across. And if it's if it's an unfamiliar territory, not that I need to compose sentences, but I need to find my position in that unfamiliar territory in a foreign language. In Turkish, it's much easier for me to handle those because I have the training and the ways to take my time listen to what the other person is saying and in return compose my thought whether i'm agreeing with it or disagreeing with it in english or in our current times the entitlement to how fast we want to listen to something how quickly we want to listen to something and how we want to hear what we are listening to plays a huge factor i look at my um stats right now the average listener or viewer is staying with me for five to six minutes that's what the stats indicate in the studio of the YouTube is it possible to understand someone in five minutes no way no way but this is again the disease the corporate environment has brewed they hire these so-called consultants who are experts and i remember way back in the day i was at a sales meeting and then some business advisor gave us this deep meaningful speech in regards to if you were good at something and you have something to pitch you should be able to pitch that in 15 seconds that is the biggest load of crap I have ever heard in my life. Imagine this, a complete stranger approaches you and in 15 seconds, he's gonna say certain things in a certain way that he is going to convince you to sit at the table to do business with them. Show me one good example of that. I bet you it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist regardless of how well you're prepared it, it, it's impossible because you're dealing with strangers and now with this current environment you're going to be that much more uh, wary of a stranger I was a single man I had sex without a condom so many times with strange women and later I thought about that going eh, was that a right choice was that a right choice Am I going to catch something? I don't know this person, but I slept with them. It took more than 15 seconds to get to that, to build up that trust. But again, this is, this is when the, at the you know, heights of AIDS epidemic or, uh, or AIDS is a little big thing. You know, AIDS was still killing people. Nobody dies from AIDS right now. You know, thanks to Magic Johnson program, nobody dies from AIDS. But, you know, in this, this whole like trying to squeeze something in 15 seconds to 
convince people to do business with you, it doesn't work. It will never work. It will never work. You will never ever have a good, reliable relationship with anyone if you're pulling, putting everything is like, oh, 15 seconds, if you can't describe it, then fuck you. No. And fuck everybody who endorses that. And I, I am mad at myself that at the time, I even gave it a go. Then here's the silver lining. When I was advised this whole 15 seconds business, I, uh, I tried because of what I believe. I tried it on for a size first to determine how it's not going to work. All my relationships, the glue is time. The glue is time. Every single relationship you're in, the glue is time. More time you spend together, if you like the person now, 10 years later, you're going to love that person. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, this is how it works. But anyone who puts a pair of khakis and a checker shirt on can stand in front of you and read it from some teleprompter that you, if you can pitch it in 15 seconds, study shows, nah, 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 nah. All those studies are wrong. All those studies are to manipulate the masses to work even harder for a price that is less than their worth. So know your worth. Listen to the others. And don't believe the hype. You can do so much better than that. You can do so much better than that. But you're young, maybe. You're new to the professional world. You, you want people to like you. But see, there, your parents should have taught you that. Your parents should have taught you that what people think about you does not determine your self-worth. Until you know your self-worth, what others think about you is how you feel. It's ego. It's ego. Whether someone you get somebody's approval and this and that. For for few things, somebody's approval is good and perhaps essential. But in a corporate environment where you have to laugh at somebody's shitty jokes at the water cooler, you're doing it wrong. You got it wrong and you're living wrong. Because tomorrow, you're going to be 80-something years old. You're going to have your feet up. On, listen, all of us, same. There's going to be a bed. We're not going to look good. We're going to be short of breath. We're going to be tired because we're about to die. And you, all you got to think about is all that bullshit time you've spent at the water cooler laughing at some bullshit personalities, bullshit jokes. Why? In hopes for that person to like you. Listen, bullies strive to control people. Good leaders, they live to teach. My name is Engin Yashiriyamish. If you like this, please subscribe. And I hope to talk more about everything soon.
Have a wonderful, wonderful day.